Well, my name is Pastor Matt Sims, pastor of children's and fifth to eighth grade ministry. And I'm standing in for Pastor Marty, who's in Israel right now with 40 other pilgrims. Uh, you can already tell I don't look like him and I definitely do not sound like him. People ask me, where are you from? They try to guess and they make horrendous guesses uh, from New Zealand, Australia, as far as West Virginia. Don't know where that came from. And then it gets down to the absurd when they ask if I'm from Scotland. And I'm so, I say, have you not seen Braveheart? Come on, what's, what's going on? I'm from England originally. Uh, I've lived in the States for 16 years, been married to my beautiful wife, Danielle, for almost eight years, and we have a son, Caleb, who is two and a half years old. So it's a privilege and honor to be in front of each and every one of you this morning, and we're going to dive into Scripture today. And so if you'd like to open your uh, Bibles, if you have them, we're going to be looking at Mark 4, 35 to 41. We're going to see uh, Jesus uh, calming the storm. And so before I begin, I'm going to share with you a little story about the birth of my son, Caleb, who came into this world very unexpectedly, like a storm arising from nowhere. And so my son was due to be born at the end of December. And so I was at another church, my last church, where I was working. And this was during uh, the pandemic. And so it's about six months before he's about to be born in October. I'm uh, driving home from after teaching the kids outside in the parking lot because it's COVID. And so I get a phone call from my wife. My wife says, I think I'm going into labor. And I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, it's, it's October. It's the end of October. We got to the end of December. It's like 10 weeks ago. This can't happen. And she said, no, no, no. I think you need to take me to the hospital. So I said, okay, I'll be a good husband. I'll, I'll take you in. We'll, we'll get you checked out. I'm sure it's just Braxton Hicks. And by the way, I got a Hebrew paper tonight, so I got to get that in as well. So anyway, we get in the car, and we're driving there, and I'm thinking, hey, everything's going to be fine. So we get to the hospital, and she's walking in, and she's bending over. I'm like, oh, okay, that's some serious Braxton Hicks right there. Uh, so we walk into the hospital. Doctors are the same thing. They say, oh, it'll be fine. It's nothing. We'll get through this. We'll send you home. I was thinking I'll be home with a nice cup of tea and a crumpet by about 10 o'clock. It'll be all good. So we go in. She's in the bed, and the nurse says, oh, everything's fine. So, yeah, everything will be okay. And so the doctor comes in. Uh, he does the examination, and he looks at me and my wife and says, you are three centimeters dilated. You are having this baby tonight. And I was like, what? I, we can't have this baby tonight. I got a Hebrew paper due tonight. That can't happen. <laughs> and at that point, I was overcome with fear. I was like, but 10 weeks, is, the, is he going to be okay? Is my wife going to be Okay. And I just had this great fear that started coming over me. I felt these storm clouds arising above my head. And so I did the thing that I knew that was right. I started to pray and I started to text my family and friends and my church. And I started to tell them, hey, we're having a baby tonight and it's really early. Can you please pray for me? Uh, can you pray for my family? Pray for this baby that's going to be born? And then my work colleague from my old church, she texted me back and she said, do you not remember what you had just taught on this morning to the children? And so I looked back and remembered the text. We were in the book of Exodus about the Israelites going, leaving uh, the land. And I remember one of the verses that fear not, the Lord your God will deliver you from Egypt today. Now, I didn't know that God was telling me my son was going to be delivered that day. But it was a really great reminder to remind me of not to have fear. And it was amazing. I just, the fear left, it went away. 
and the entire birth went completely smooth. He was born, he came out screaming and shouting, and he was moving, and he was happy and everything. And so the first uh, night, he stopped breathing twice, uh, but after that, uh, it was so evident and clear that all these prayers were coming in for this little boy. Uh, he, never, he, he, he was breathing the entire time he was in the NICU. He was in there uh, for over 30 days, and even the nurses were amazed how fast he got out of the NICU uh, because he was, a, he was a preemie by 10 weeks, and so he left after 30 days, and everybody was just amazed. And so I want to show you a couple of pictures. So here, is, here he is right there. Uh, that was uh, the first couple of days. So, of course, it's a little bit scary when you see those pictures. Uh, but on the next picture, you'll see um, this is when he came home. I promise you that the dog is guarding him. She's not a snack. And then here's his first Christmas. He's very upset. He only got one present. So, <laughs> And here he is today. There he is. So he is doing good. He is strong. He's doing well. Praise God. There was nothing to fear at all. And so today we're going to look at this story where we see uh, the disciples who are in this storm. And we're going to see how our faith in the power of Jesus and love of Jesus allows us to face storms and calamities in our lives without fear. And so if you'd like to once again turn with me uh, to Mark 4. 35. We're going to go through this passage here and we're going to see what God's word has to say uh, for us this morning. Verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. So the story is now beginning. Uh, Jesus has just before this passage here, in this passage here, he has just been teaching to all the multitudes. He's been teaching parables as we see that he may have been healing as well. We don't quite know if he's been doing that as well. But he's had a very, very busy day. And so when he, he who says to them, let us go across the other side, that there is Jesus telling his disciples. We don't know the number of disciples, maybe 12. That's what we're going to probably imagine here. Um, but most likely, he's with those 12 disciples. Now, where is he? The Sea of Galilee. So we're in the Galilee region, and we're going to be talking a lot about that region, the topography, the land, the area where we are in the Sea of Galilee, because it's a really fascinating and unique place in the Sea of Galilee. And so you see that on the map up the top there, the Sea of Galilee is right at the top of Israel. And so on the next map, you'll also see on the west side, there's quite a number of towns compared to the east side in Jesus' times. And that's actually going to be a little significant when we're talking about the direction of where we're going. And so on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd... They took him with them in the boat just as he was. So we're pretty sure that the boat was probably crossing from uh, west to east because of all of the towns on the west side. There are multitudes of crowd and Christ is trying to uh, remove himself because he has had a really long day. He's probably very, very exhausted. Uh, Mark is using the word evening in the, in the previous passage, probably in order to impress uh, the reader with the extreme busyness that Jesus has gone through. So he's withdrawing temporarily. And so when it says just as he was, that's probably meaning that Christ was uh, in his physical exhaustion. They're taking him as he was in the state that he was as they're entering into uh, the boat with him. And so they're leaving the crowd. They take him with him in the boat just as he was. 
And then there's this tiny line here that says, and other boats were with him. Now, sometimes when we're reading scripture, we see these, um, what looks like insignificant words or lines, but nothing is insignificant in scripture. For one reason, the scribes, you know, they didn't have a lot of space to be writing things. Papyrus is what they wrote on. Um, They didn't, it wasn't in abundance like paper. So every single word counts and every single word and sentence has a meaning. So what is the reason for these other boats that were with them on the lake? My personal view is that Mark was an incredible storyteller. If you read the book of Mark, you will notice uh, that he's a really quick, fast storyteller, and he puts in detail, and it's a really, really exciting read. But then I read from a commentator who brought up this really great point, and I actually like this idea, so I'm going to read to you what he said. It thus becomes a miracle of mercy on a wider scale than the mere salvation of the Lord's own boatload of frightened disciples. While Jesus was concerned with his disciples, he was also concerned with people beyond the narrow context of his disciples. The mention of other boats in verse 36 shows that God's grace extends to the entire world, that is, grace falls on the just and un. Just. I think that's a really good point. There were other boats on this lake when this storm is about to occur. And so his love is for everybody. His grace extends to everybody. And that's the same today as well. Christ died for our sins. He rose from the dead three days later. And for everyone who puts their faith and trust in him, they will have everlasting life. And that grace extends to the whole world, the Jews and the Gentiles, to everybody who wishes to put their faith and trust in Christ. It is for everyone. And I think that's the the same thing that's going on here when they're talking about these other boats that are on the lake with Jesus and the disciples. And so moving on into verse 37, a great windstorm arose. Yes, a great windstorm arose. And so this is where we have to now have a look at the area of the Sea of Galilee, the topography and the region that we are in, because the Sea of Galilee is in a very interesting location. So on this uh, diagram here, you may not know this, but there are mountainous areas that actually surround the Sea of Galilee. When I was over there, I was kind of surprised. And one of the interesting things is, is the mountain, air, mountain areas to the north and to the east actually rise pretty high up. Uh, one of the other interesting aspects is that the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake in the whole world. And so if you look on the next diagram here, you'll see that with the elevations there. And further down where the Dead Sea is, it is the lowest salt lake in the entire world as well. So this is a really interesting and fascinating area. I took some pictures when I was up the top of the Sea of Galilee, so here they are right now. And so you'll see uh, down below all of the green fields and everything, so farmers work down there. It's a really amazing area. Something very interesting is that the climate at the bottom around the Sea of Galilee is actually very warm. It's very, very nice. It's uh, very pleasant. So that's why agriculture is is all over the place. Uh, Really, really nice. But at the top of those mountains and further up, it's cooler. And so what happens is, is that when the cold air comes over the mountains, it comes over the Sea of Galilee, it gets sucked right down, and it causes this warm and this cold front to hit and cause these sudden and massive storms. So the Sea of Galilee is very susceptible to sudden violent storms because of its geography. 
The atmosphere for most parts hangs still and heavy, but the cold currents as they pass from the west are sucked down in vortices of air or by the narrow gorges that break upon the lake. Then arise those sudden storms for which the region is notorious. This sudden change can produce surprisingly furious storms in a short time as it did in Jesus' day. So this is true. These storms actually suddenly do arise out of completely nowhere. And so the disciples who were going on the boat had absolutely no idea that this was going to happen. They didn't see it coming because they come in so fast and so furious. And so moving on into the passage, it says, The waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So this is a terrifying moment for the disciples. These boats are not very big. And so uh, in 1986, when the uh, water levels got pretty low in the Sea of Galilee, it revealed a ship or a boat. And so right here is a picture which I took in one of the museums, which is on the Sea of Galilee, which we visited. And so here is a boat they actually found, and they dated it to the first century. Uh, so this is most likely what one of those ships, again, you've only got the hole there, survived all of that time. And so it's actually pretty small. It's about 8.3 meters. So they're pretty small. And so they probably can only fit maybe 15 people in them. At this point, it's most likely 12 disciples and Jesus. Um, we don't know the exact number. It doesn't say. But imagine this, a boat this small in a ferocious storm being tossed and turned all over the place, you may be a little fearful as well. You may be a little seasick as well. Um, this is a pretty terrifying thing. So imagine this, this windstorm, everything's going rushing around. It's just crazy. The waves are breaking into the boat. And so the boat is already filling with water. In the next verse, it says here, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Who's he? Jesus. So that must have been a really nice cushion. That must have been like, you guys got those uh, memory foam pillows, you know? They're really good, aren't they? I fall asleep very quickly. So maybe it's one of those he had. Um, but isn't that incredible? He was like in the stern, asleep on the cushion, whilst this storm is raging around. Now, how many of you know someone who can sleep through anything? Yeah, I see a lot of wives nodding right now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've all come across those different types of people who can sleep through anything. Uh, my cousin, he is one of those people, you know, when uh, we used to tour as musicians, we used to go around and we used to share a hotel room and he would sleep through his alarm all the time. And then, of course, I'd have fun. I'd, I'd go up to him and take his lip and move it around and do all this and everything. Uh, they're lucky I didn't have a cell phone in those days. Uh, but anyway, he was one of those guys, no matter what you did to him, he would, he would be asleep. My son's the same way as well. He just seems to be able to sleep through anything. So here we go. Jesus is sleeping in this storm on a cushion whilst the disciples are running around and they're all like terrified and, and, and fearful. But what this actually shows to us is that he is not bothered by the storm. There is no doubt he was physically exhausted. So we see, you know, we, we know that Christ is fully human and fully God. And we see this fully human side of him play out here because he's been working all day. He's been talking to the masses. He's exhausted. But also, it could indicate that because of Jesus' words to the disciples about their lack of faith, it is clear that Jesus was sleeping because of his faith. He was not worried about the storm, but was resting in God. And so the disciples, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? 
So they awakened him and they rebuked him for his unconcern. They don't think that he cares for them. That word perishing, it's a really strong word in the Greek. If you look a little bit closer at it, it actually means to be destroyed or to be obliterated. So the disciples are so scared that they actually think they're going to be destroyed. That's how scared they are. And that's why that word perishing is such a strong word in the Greek. However, the disciples did not fully appreciate who Jesus was. Remember, it's fairly early on in the ministry here. They still don't understand who Jesus is. They did not like the fact that Jesus appeared to be unconcerned about their safety. And that's why they awakened him and rebuked him. But here are some reasons why, uh, at that point, the disciples shouldn't have been fearful. You know, one of them is he actually implies they would arrive there. He says, let us go across the other side. So he's saying, we're going to go across the other side. The second one is he was with them. He was not going to die because he would not die before his time. He is the Messiah. But again, we understand this. How many times does Christ tell his disciples about his death and resurrection? And they still don't get it. So we can't, you know, blame them entirely for that. Third, Jesus was sleeping peacefully and was not afraid of the storm. He's not afraid. So if he's not afraid, why should the disciples be afraid? Again, very easy to say. We're not in that situation, are we? With all the waves and all the storm happening. Before, he had demonstrated compassion for them and the multitudes many times. He was a loving, compassionate person. So why would he allow the disciples to perish? And so we have those reasons right there um, why they should not have been afraid. And so uh, we come to our first point uh, today uh, in today's sermon. And we're talking about when storms arise in our life, uh, these metaphorical storms. Our first point today is when storms arise in our lives, have faith in Jesus. When storms arise in our lives, have faith in Jesus. How many times are we afraid that God does not care for us? Are there times in our lives where we've been through or maybe we're going through a storm where we don't think he's listening or we don't think he's there for us, that we haven't put our faith and our trust in Jesus in the way that we should? I think we're all guilty of that. I think there's always times where we are afraid and we just simply forget that we need to have faith in Jesus. Just like the disciples are in the story, they don't have faith in him. They don't understand that who he is fully. But I think this is something that we need to be reminded of on a daily basis, that we are to have faith and trust in Jesus on a daily basis, especially when we're going through struggles and trials. That is one of the most important things that we have to do when we're struggling in those situations. And so moving on uh, with the uh, story. And he awoke. And so Jesus is going to wake because the disciples have awoken him. And he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. So Jesus, the creator of the universe, told the wind to stop. And it did. It stopped fully. And it's like he's rebuking the wind. He's he's telling it off. He's saying, you need to stop. And so, something that's very interesting with these words, peace be still, in the Greek, um, it is an imperative. And so, an imperative is a command. 
So he is commanding the sea to stop. He's commanding the storm to be calm because he's the creator. He is God, the creator of everything. And so, of course, he controls and can calm the sea that is in front of him. And so he commands it and it stops immediately. You see, the word cease, an aorist indicative, meaning that the action happened and did not continue to occur. So that word cease basically means it stopped immediately. It was done, it ceased, and there was calm right there. And so I think that's really amazing to see how the disciples are able to see this fully God side of Jesus right there, because he is the one who is able to control and calm the sea that is right in front of him. And so, the second point of today, when storms arise in our lives, Jesus has the power to calm them. He is in control. When storms arise in our lives, Jesus has the power to calm them. He is in control. That should give us great hope, knowing that Christ is in control of all situations. God is in control. It just gives so much great hope. And we see this right here, how this, when this storm is arising and, and, and the disciples are so fearful and running around, Jesus has the ability to calm them. And he has the same thing he can do when we are going through struggles and storms are arising. He does the same thing with us when we go to him in prayer and we ask him for peace during these times when we might be struggling. He is the Messiah and he is in full control. And lastly, the last two verses as we conclude this story here, we're going to continue on. So Christ, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He's asking them, where is your faith? Do you not know who who I am? Do you still not understand that I am Christ the Messiah? So Jesus, he rebuked the disciples because of their lack of faith. He told them to go to the other side of the lake. Did they not believe that he had the power to see them safely across the water? And so Christ expresses disappointment that the disciples had not demonstrated more mature faith. No faith means no trust in him on this occasion. They still did not realize that Jesus was God, the one who controls nature. And so in this last verse, it says here, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And so they're still fearful of, who, of, of what's just happened, the entire situation. They were terrified. Those words literally mean they feared a great fear. That's a lot of fear, isn't it? Some translations, though, actually read the disciples were filled with awe. A moment before, they had feared for their lives, and now they had been delivered by one who was stronger than the waves. I think that we may have an interesting point there, uh, because the Greek words that Mark uses there, ephobosis on phobon, describe respect for awe that people feel in the presence of supernatural power. They had seen Jesus perform many healings and exorcisms, but this was a new revelation of the extent of his authority. Still, they did not understand who he really was, as is clear from their question. So it could be that they were just in awe. It could be like they're actually saying, who is this? 
that even the wind and the sea obey him. This is an incredible miracle what they're seeing. They're truly seeing who Jesus is at this point, that he controls nature. This is extraordinary. But they also could have been fearful of really who he was. And there was no need to be fearful because he was with them. And so the last point today is that when storms arise in our lives, do not be afraid. When storms arise in our lives, do not be afraid. Now, I know it's very easy because the disciples clearly didn't, didn't take that advice when they were in the boat. So, it's difficult sometimes. We're human. We, we naturally want to be fearful and want to be afraid sometimes. But I think this story can really help us understand that we do not need to be afraid when we have put our faith and trust in Christ. In every single situation that we're in, there is no need to be afraid at all. And so, a couple of applications that we can take from this scripture, and we can use them in our own lives. Um, you've already heard and seen a few of them already, such as having faith and trust in God because his love is, is infinite for him. When we're in the middle of these storms, we, we know, we, there's no need to be afraid. We can turn to Jesus because he has the power to calm everything. Uh, but here's a couple more as well that I think can help us uh, when we may be going through some difficult times uh, in our lives. And so when storms are arising in our lives, when we feel like we are in trouble, just take down time to slow down, be in prayer with God, ask him to give you the peace that you need. You know, going back to the story of my son, uh, that was something that I asked him to do. Instead of running around the delivery room and panicking and not knowing what to do like the disciples were doing on the boat, I immediately knew that I had to reach out um, and ask for prayer and pray to God himself. That's what helped me through that entire process. We were there for 30 days in the NICU, you know, always wondering, is, is he going to be okay? Is he going to make it? But slowing down and taking time to pray to God and being in his presence and asking for the peace that, that we as a family needed was incredible. And I think that's something we can do as well when we're in times of struggle, when things maybe not go in the way that we'd hope them to be, or we're struggling with something, just slow down, be in prayer with God, and ask Him to give you the peace that you need. You know, another application uh, which I think is, is very helpful here is, is that when storms are arising in your life, reach out to your church community, our church community, this church right here, when you need strength. Speak to someone who is able to listen to you because you are not alone. As Christians, you are not alone. And just as Christ was in the boat, the disciples were not alone. Christ was with them in the boat the entire time. And Christ is with you as well when you're going through difficult times. But your church family is here to listen to you and to support you and pray with you. Just like I did when I was uh, with my son, I was texting everybody I knew, my, my spiritual formation group, my seminary friends, my church family, and honestly, the nurses in the NICU, some were Christians, some were not, they were like, someone is, pr what? someone is praying for this little guy. How is he doing so well? It was so evident and so clear that we had such support as people delivered food to us and were praying with us, just, just assisting us. Your church family is here to help you and support you when you are going through times of struggles as well. 
Another thing to do is when, when storms are arising and you're feeling afraid, look back at your life and see how God has brought you through previous storms. We're all here today. We've, I, I'm pretty sure all of us have been through difficult situations uh, in the past, but look back and see what he has done for you, how he has blessed you, and how he has brought you through. I did a little bit of research on this, and uh, there was a few studies out there, and one in particular said that the things that we are fearful and anxious about, uh, 91% of the time actually never happen. Did you, isn't that amazing? We worry and we're so anxious and fearful, yet those things, the majority of the time, actually don't ever happen. And the times that they do, it actually says that the outcome was better than expected. So why are we so fearful? especially when we have Christ in our lives and we can look back and see how he has blessed us uh, when we have been in times of difficulty. And finally, one thing I want us to be reminded of is that even when we're going through difficult times, let us continue to praise and thank God in times of trouble because he is there, he is not leaving you, and he's not forsaken you. He will never abandon you. And it reminds me of the times of the Psalms of Lament where David is in very, very difficult situations, yet he is there, God is there, and he's calling out to God, even though he's saying, why is this happening, God? But at the end of those laments, he says, but I thank you, and I love you, and I know you are there for me. So even when you're going through difficult times, be uh, reminded that Christ is with you, and he is there for you, and he will bring you out of these storms. And so... Storms always end. Storms always end. Every storm that we've seen on this planet has ended. No storm has ever continued forever on this earth. And so shall your own storm end if you're going through one right now. And although the aftermath may be messy like storms produce, your church family is here to help you and support you. But most importantly, Jesus was with you the whole time, just like he was with the disciples in the boat. And he will be with you for eternity once you place your faith and trust in him. And so we're actually going to end with a time of of worship before we leave today. And so use this time as we worship to thank God, to worship him for what he has done, or to be in contemplative prayer, or to ask God to help you and not be fearful. Maybe today you are going through a situation that is really difficult. I have no idea, but God knows and Christ is with you. And so as the praise team uh, lead us in this last final song, just take time to reflect and thank God for who he is, but ask him to bring you through that storm because he will, and that storm will end. And, uh, if, and um, we want to be thankful to God and give that to him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, your word, your scripture, Lord, that tells us that we are not to fear you, Lord. And, and we're just so grateful and thankful that we see how you are in control of everything, Lord. And Lord, I just pray if anyone here today is going through a difficult time or a situation that they would rely on your word. Your word is so true. And Lord, so I would ask that we, uh, we do not lose our faith and we continue to put our trust in you through these difficult times uh, because you are always there. Uh, you will never leave us. You'll never abandon us. And so, Father, we just thank you for always being there for us. Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.